Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Last time we were talking about nutritional guidance for felines. Today, we're going to talk about the nutritional guidance for puppies, adults, and senior canines. So we want to first start off with just some basic dog physiology. Miranda, can you talk about some of that stuff before we start getting into the actual breakdown of the nutritional requirements in general? Sure. When you think of a dog, they're, they're quite a bit different from felines in the way that they're designed. As we talked about, felines are obligate carnivores and canines are omnivores. So they eat both meat as well as plant proteins, as well as acquire some other various vitamins and minerals that are not exactly the same as for felines. So if, if you look at a dog's teeth, you can see that they have molars, which means that, that their teeth are designed to chew, which is what is used for breaking down fiber in, in plant food. This doesn't mean that they eat exactly the same as, as human beings. Their digestive system is still different from human beings, but they are still omnivores like we are. In this episode, as, as well as in other episodes to understand which foods are okay for them to eat and which ones are not. Yes. And the one thing that we need to discuss is their protein. So that's what I'm going to start with right now. Their proteins always need to be primarily animal-based. Yes, they have the physiology, like Miranda said, to grind up and process some of the plant proteins and plant matter but they do still need a high level of high quality proteins. They do, have, they do require certain amino acids that are only found in animal proteins, just like with cats. Mm-hmm. Their fat levels in their diet need to be also a little bit elevated, that 10 to 15%. And that will help provide energy it helps with the rebuilding and restructuring of cells, hormones, all of the absorption and utilization of vitamins. And it also provides insulation and protection for their organs, brain function, skin health, you name it. It's all there in the fats. Also in fats, we do need to focus on triglycerides, essential fatty acids, omega-3s. They are very essential. You can get some of that stuff in fish oils, flaxseed oils, quality animal fats, and other high quality fats. They can process more variety of fats and foods than felines. So talk to your vet, make sure you are working with them. The same as with felines, you always want to have a partner with your vet. And if you're working with an animal nutritionist, partner with them too. So those are the fats, 10 to 15%. They also need very specific vitamins and minerals because this is going to help with the whole function of the body. It's going to keep their energy levels stable. A complete and balanced diet will not require 
additional supplements. So you want to make sure that you are focused on the highest quality proteins, the highest quality fats, the highest quality of food that you can get for your animal. And I'm going to specify that price does matter. Do not feed your dog cheap food because it's not going to be nutritionally balanced and you will have to give supplements. The other thing is the mineral content. Minerals are really important for healthy bone, healthy teeth, and maintaining fluid balance and metabolism. So Miranda, can you talk about carbohydrates? Yes. Um, carbohydrates are definitely something to keep in mind when you are looking at the ingredients for your dog's food. Now, it's not quite the same as for felines, where felines don't need carbohydrates at all because they already get that in processed in the animals that they eat. Canines, on the other hand, they don't necessarily need carbohydrates, but their body can handle it within reason. The challenge is, is that a lot of the dry kibble out there has way too many carbohydrates in it, more than they need and can create health issues for them. Now, there is conflict on this. If you do some searching, you'll find some sources that say that they require carbohydrates and they'll say they need it for energy, but they also get energy from fat. There are other sources that say they are not a requirement, but a little won't hurt them. So it's better to avoid giving too much of the dry food if you really feel you need to give them some of the dry food. Focus more on the moist food, or at the very least, read the ingredients of the dry food that you are buying. And I just want to emphasize, make sure you are looking at the actual ingredients. Don't just pay attention to what's on the front of the package, because the front of the package is usually very misleading. And it may think you're getting something that you're not, or they may, it may cause you to think you're not getting something in the food that you are. So it's really important to, to develop an understanding of what the actual ingredients are so that you can understand, is this ingredient good or is this ingredient bad? And how much of it can my animal tolerate? Pretty much in any processed food that you buy, there's always going to be some ingredients that are a little bit questionable. You're not likely to get 100% of completely healthy ingredients when you're buying it. The only way you can kind of guarantee that is if you're making it yourself. But even there again, we'll go into detail about that. But there again, you still need to really understand the ingredients because you need to know what you are putting in there to make sure that it's nutritionally balanced. Now, the other thing that is also highly critical for, for canines is water. Now, they're different from felines in that they are much more efficient drinkers. So they can get a lot of their water from actual drinking. They don't necessarily have to rely on moist food, although that's a good way to balance it as well. As with any animal, you want to make sure, though, the water is fresh and clean. Now, dogs are not overly picky. They're more willing to drink or eat whatever is in front of them. So that means that it's up to us to make sure that what they're putting in their mouths is actually good for them. So you want to, to make sure that they have fresh water, you want to change the water at least twice a day, at minimum. 
but it may need to be changed more often if, you know, some dogs like to play in their water or sometimes our dogs will be messy eaters and they'll drop their food in the water or something like that. And if you don't change the water, then they're getting water that's contaminated and may have gone off. So they could potentially get sick from that. You want to monitor the water bowl, make sure that the water, there is always water in the bowl. And also because some, like I was saying, some dogs play in water. If they have a type of bowl that's easily tippable, they could end up with water all over the place. And especially if you're gone for the day and they tip the water over, then they end up with no water for the entire day. So you want to pay attention to the type of bowl that you're using to make sure that there is enough water for them for the time period that you're gone, as well as that it's going to continue continue to be accessible for them until you're able to get home and change it. Yeah, very good points. Very, very good points. So in summary for the nutritional, the general nutritional side of it is that you want to aim to get foods that are rich in quality meat-based proteins. They've got higher levels of quality fats and that they're low in carbohydrates. And we have to really remember that every breed has its own lifespan. And the best way to increase quality of life, no matter how long they live, we did mention in previous episodes that Great Danes live very short lives. Little dogs may live longer lives. But the best way to maintain a healthy quality of life is through nutrition. And just to reiterate, a dog's like Great Danes are generally going to have a lifespan that is six to nine years. A beagle might live 12 to 17. That's all great and fine, but it's up to you to help them have the highest quality of life within that lifespan. And the first step to that is nutrition. So as Miranda had mentioned, good quality sources of fats and protein with lower carbohydrates is going to make for a healthier life, no matter how long your dog is. Mm -hmm. And again, talk to your vet or your your veterinary nutritionist or animal nutritionist, partner with them and work with them to really understand what your specific dog needs. Because we can say that, oh, great Danes need this, beagles need this, but each dog is an individual and it's best not to feed on a generalization. It's best to get specific guidance. Yes. And we're going now transition into different stages of dogs and what their nutritional needs are within those stages. Just like we did with felines, every stage begins and ends at a certain time. So for puppies, obviously we know puppies from birth to probably about one to one and a half years with dogs. Cats can age a little bit quicker so they can hit adult status a little bit sooner. But just to give you a little bit, some dogs may be in the adult category, but they may forget that and they may still think they're puppies. So they have a lot of energy requirements. So again, pay attention to the breed that you got. A Labrador is going to be a heck of a lot more active at three than maybe a Great Dane or another larger dog. So keep that in mind. They may forget that they're adults. They may think they're puppies. (laughs) So for puppies, you want to pay attention to what breed you have. Smaller breeds have smaller teeth. 
and faster metabolisms. So you need to allot for all of that. They can also mature a lot quicker than the larger breeds. Small breeds require more energy-dense food and may need to be fed more often. Again, if you have a very active puppy, very energetic puppy, they're going to burn a lot of calories. So they're going to need to be fed a little bit more often. Larger breeds require lower energy-dense foods. If they grow too quickly, they can experience joint issues. So pay attention to that. A puppy, a Great Dane puppy, is going to grow really fast. And that's going to put stress on their joints. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're not feeding a Great Dane puppy the way you would feed a Chihuahua puppy. Exactly. Very important. Nutrition needs are for growth. Again, growth. So if they're not going to grow too much, it's going to be different from a dog. It's going to gain 100 pounds within its lifetime. Pay attention to that. Recommended feedings should be three times a day, up to about six months old. Just like felines, they need more protein early on to help with their growth. Large breeds, again, may still be kind of in that puppy stage around one to five years old. The quantity of food will vary depending on the breed, the age, and the size. I cannot stress that enough. I've mentioned this several times just in this short little segment. Pay attention to the animal that you got. You cannot feed a Great Dane puppy the way you would feed a Chihuahua puppy. You want to talk to your vet and qualified animal nutritionist, like we have mentioned. Get guidelines for the specific breed. Um, Also, depending on the lifestyle that they have, will also depend on their nutritional requirements. If you have a dog that lives on a farm that's always outside running, they're going to need more nutrition than a dog that is more of a house dog that doesn't get out more than twice a day for a quick walk. Mm -hmm. Your vet and your animal nutritionist will help you with that. Breeds may be similar, but you need to also pay attention to the individual puppy because they should be based on their individual needs. Like I had just mentioned in my example of a farm dog versus a house dog. Treats. Here's another one. You want to make sure that your puppy doesn't get too many treats except for training. You want to give the dog a reward for doing something that pleases you and not just give them treats just to give them treats because that can cause health that can cause health problems too especially down the line so be very very what's the word limit 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 there you go yeah that's <laughs> so basically giving your treats should be limited to specific times and not given freely treats should be small they should not be big giant things a lot of these Treats that you get in pet stores, they have a lot of preservatives. They can cause health problems. Some of them can actually be toxic, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. (laughs) So keep them generally small and for and limited to training. Homemade treats or fruits and veggies that are safe for dogs are a healthier option. So let's just say you don't want to give a processed treat. A lot of dogs like those little baby carrots. Mm -hmm. Little baby carrots are healthy for dogs. They have beta carotene they need. So you can use those as treats if you want to give your dog a treat. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes you have to also know when to give non-food rewards for good behavior. You don't always want to have your dog attribute food to good behavior. So keep that in mind that rewards do not have to be food related. 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty much puppies. That's a lot. But a puppy needs a lot of nutritional help and guidance as they grow. When you have an adult, we said that could be anywhere from like one year to six years. Since dogs come in different sizes, the age to define the adult varies greatly, as we had mentioned. A dog is considered adult when it is 90% of expected adult weight. That is a good guide. Once they hit that certain 90% of their expected adult weight, then you can switch them to a maintenance diet. Smaller breeds, as we had mentioned, tend to mature between six to seven months. Larger breeds can grow past 12 months of age. Quantity and frequency of feedings depends on the energy level. If you have a border collie, they're going to be more energetic than, say, a St. Bernard. Their exercise level, their size, again, their current weight, those are all really important things to keep in mind when you have, when you're figuring out the nutrition for your adult dog. Nutrition needs are mainly for maintenance. At this point, you're not trying to fatten them up. You're not trying to give them too much protein for growth. You're, it's all maintenance. Most dogs can't have food left out for them to graze on, so be cognizant of that. Cats can be free-fed on occasion, but dogs will overeat if they have food to graze on all day long. They will often inhale everything that's put into their bowl, and frequency and quantity is important to be aware of. Another thing I want to note, when you are giving your dog, especially kibble, if they eat too fast, this can cause a lot of health problems, life-threatening health problems. Things like bloat is really important to be aware, especially in the larger breeds or the deep-chested dogs. So keep the food at a level where they will not overeat and suck in all that air because that's kind of what happens. They suck in a lot of air and their stomach can't handle that. So you have a life-threatening condition. Be aware of that. So do not free feed your dog. It's not recommended. Oh, and just with all animals, and we did not mention this in the cats, but we want to mention it here. Some of the key ways to monitor the health of your animal, because most animals are going to be very stoic and they're not going to let you know when something's wrong, is to pay attention to their coat, pay attention to their energy, pay attention to how their eyes look how they behave. And yes, we're going to go to the bathroom here. (laughs) You need to pay attention to the consistency and the quantity and quality of their stools. Mm -hmm. Very important. So when you're taking your dog out for a walk and you have to clean up after your dog, pay attention to what you're picking up because that's going to be a sign that your dog is either healthy or is not. So pay attention to that. And this goes with felines as well. We did not mention this at the last episode, but felines is very obvious to know when a cat is not 100% healthy by looking at the eyes, the coat, and the behavior, and their stools. Mm -hmm. So with the next two stages, Miranda's going to talk about when the animals reach these years and what is best for them. So the next two stages are seniors and geriatrics. There's not a lot of variation in terms of how we feed them at these stages, but you can kind of determine when they've reached those stages, generally around their age, because seniors are usually considered 
at that stage between around six and 13 years old. However, as we mentioned with Great Danes, because they do have a much shorter lifespan, they could be considered a senior even around four years old, three or four years old. Because it's when they get to about half, halfway through their lifespan. Geriatrics, on the other hand, are usually between 10 and 17 years old. So since dogs do come in different sizes, the age to define a senior does vary quite a lot. And we're just giving you average lifespans. It's going to vary a little bit in that way. When you're giving them the best care you can, making sure that they're getting high quality nutrition, the right amount of exercise, the enrichment, and all of those different things that play into taking care of a pet, those are going to contribute to having a a longer lifespan, aside from potential genetic conditions or something along those lines. Because there is such a variation, the nutrition requirements can also vary greatly. And this is, again, where you need to work with your or partner with your vet or veterinary nutritionist, animal nutritionist, to determine what nutrition requirements your pet will actually, your dog will actually need each year that they're at. When they start reaching the the senior age, their energy and their metabolism can decrease quite a lot. And as a result of that, they would require a lower amount of fat and calories in their diet because they're not burning it off in the same way as they would be when they were younger and more active. So a lot of seniors and senior and geriatric dogs end up becoming overweight because they're still being fed the regular food that they've been fed all their adult life. And they're not considering the changes that are happening in their body as they get older. Much as like in humans too, it's like we need to be aware of the changes in our body and how we eat as we get older as well. So keep that in mind. And you want to make sure that you are continuing giving them that high quality animal protein, but you still want to have that balance too with the, the plant proteins of the fruits and vegetables. So working with your vet or nutritionist will help you to determine the balance that you need in those areas. The other thing is, is that their sense of smell may also decrease. If this happens, you could put the the food that you've always been giving them that they've always enjoyed, and they may turn their nose up at it because they're not smelling it as well as they used to, and it may not interest them in the same way it used to. So this might require some encouragement to eat. This might require changing their food up. Maybe you need some food that has maybe a stronger smell to it. And generally, dry food doesn't really have much of a smell. They usually have great flavor, but there's usually not a whole lot of smell to it. And wet food would have more smell to it. But again, it, it will vary depending on the, uh, the food that you're providing. They, as they get older too, their teeth could start having issues, their gums and their teeth. So they might start losing teeth, their teeth might break down a little bit, and it could cause discomfort for them when they're eating. Or if they're losing any of their molars, they're not going to be able to chew as easily as they would be when they were younger. So having a dry food or a fibrous food that 
they need to break down with their molars is not going to work for them. They'll need something that's already partially digested because when something is already soft and not needing to be chewed, it's already gone through the pre-digestive stage that would normally happen inside the mouth. You could still give them kibble if you choose to, but if you do, you will need to add some moisture to it to soften it for them if they are having the dental issues. You can moisten it with water. You could also consider using a good quality broth to moisten it as well. With geriatrics, and possibly even with seniors too, they may decrease how much they drink or they may have some issues with that. And so they may need a lot more fluid to stay hydrated than they did when they were younger. So if they're having any issues with mobility or anything like that, and they're not sort of staying in the area where the water bowl is, they they may decide to not drink as much because they feel it's too much effort to get to the bowl. So you can counteract this by having more bowls around your home that they have access to. But again, you want to make sure that you're constantly checking these bowls and making sure that the water is fresh and clean for them and always full. So now if you did need to transition your dog to a new food because they're having teeth or gum problems, because they're having health issues, because they're needing a different nutritional requirement because of their age, it's a lot of the same process as when you're transitioning a feline to a new food. But in a lot of ways, it's simpler just because dogs are not as finicky as cats are. They will generally take to new foods more easily. They're not usually as fussy with textures and smells and, and different tastes. But you still need to do the transition over a slower period of time. Because even though they may take to the new food, their digestive system may not So if you just suddenly stop giving them their old food one day and you give them the new food the next day, they might eat it, but then you might end up finding a big pile of it somewhere. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they eat a lot of food, so that could be pretty yucky. (laughs) So, so yeah, if you don't want to end up having to clean up, this this mess. And you also want to make sure that your dog is staying healthy and actually absorbing the nutrients from the new food. You need to do this adjustment, this transition over a period of time. So like felines, add a little bit of the new food to the old food. A lot of recommendations will say add a quarter of the new food to the old food and do that over a period of four days. However, For some animals, that may be still too quick for them. You may actually have to do it for a longer period of time and do an an eighth or a sixteenth or something like that of the can or the dry food or whatever it is that you are choosing to give them and do it over a period of a week to maybe two weeks, depending on how they react. And again, when you're transitioning foods, it's really important to make sure that you are monitoring how they are reacting to it. So watch how their coat is. Is their coat shiny or does it seem like it's dry? Is Do they seem to be shedding a lot of hair? Are their eyes shiny? Do they look like they're bright and engaged or do they look kind of dull? How is their energy level? Is, is their energy level staying the same? Is it 
increasing a whole lot or are they more lethargic? Are they behaving differently than you saw them behave before? And then again, their stools, watch their stools. They should be firm, not too, not too hard, but they should be well-formed. And the color is important too. If they're really dark and tarry, then that's something to be questioning about as well. You can talk to your vet to get more specifics on, on that, on what exactly to be looking for to identify whether what you're seeing is healthy or not. Yeah, those are really, really good points. And the other thing I want to kind of bring in with this whole transitioning thing is this also goes down to breed. Some small dogs can be more like cats in their finickiness. So pay attention to your animal, pay attention to the individual behaviors. Because even if you have a house with like two or three dogs, they may each act differently. So being able to transition the food in a way that works for that particular dog is really important. You can't just blanket treat dogs in the same household. They may not be the same. So you want to make sure that you transition differently. And if you have a small dog and a large dog, obviously the transition, the smaller dog is going to end up having more digestive issues probably sooner than a larger dog because it goes through the system sooner. Pay attention to your individual dogs when transitioning. I think that is also something that we really need to bring in because I've known little dogs. They are finicky as heck. (laughs) (laughs) And that can cause an issue. So paying attention to that is going to help you with the transitioning of the food. Mm -hmm. And that's also a really good point. You just reminded me as well that if you do have multiple dogs in your home, they may have to be on different foods. They may have to have different quantities. And this can be a challenge because they might want to try to eat each other's food. So you will have to be aware and you may have to monitor them when you are feeding them at all times to make sure that they're not eating each other's food. You may even have to feed them in a different room or something like that, depending on how much you have to control them. So you might think it's not such a big deal if one dog is eating a little bit of another dog's food. But again, this can create health issues because they have different needs. And it actually will make it easier for you if you do not free feed your animals. So when you do, you have a feeding time, they will eventually know where to go. You feed Bruno over here and Pebbles over here and I don't know, spot over here, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they will get to learn where they go. And if you give them rewards and if you treat them, you can work on a plan that works for your individual dog. Free feeding will make it more difficult for you if you are a multiple dog household. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to keep in mind. If you do not free feed, then you have more control over what food your animal is eating. Mm -hmm. And if you know that it's fairly likely that you're going to have different types of dogs in your household and different ages and even different potential health issues, training them right from the get-go when they are young to eat in different areas of the home would be very beneficial for you. It's going to cause you a lot less stress if you can train them to eat in these different areas rather than trying to feed them all in the kitchen or all all in the same spot and that, and then trying to keep one dog away from one bowl, another dog away from another bowl, especially if you've got 
Well, it doesn't even matter if they're large or small dogs, but that can be a real difficult challenge to do if the bulls are really close together. So, yeah. So absolutely. So train, <laughs> yep. training them uh, yep, when they're yep, young yep, yep, rather yep. than waiting until that situation occurs when they're older is going to make it so much easier for you and be much better for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you choose to crate train, you can start feeding them, you know, once they're out of the crate and their crate is just their security place. Some dogs may actually feel safer having control over their bowl if you have a multiple dog household. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Doesn't necessarily be ideal for the dog, but if you have a multiple dog household and there's dogs that are always trying to steal another dog's food, that might give that one dog a little bit more security knowing that if I get eaten my crate, I can control my food and I can make sure I eat and I don't have to fight another dog for it. It's another little thing. It's like paying attention to the personality of your animals and paying attention to the different needs, the individual needs of each individual dog will help you provide the best quality of life, nutritionally speaking, mm -hmm. as you can. And in terms of treats and, and whatnot, dogs tend to learn really well from us. And it's, it's a behavior that they learn from us because it's not something that they would do in the wild. But they, they learn how to give the facial expressions and do the behaviors and stuff like that that cause us to give in to them that make us go, oh, okay, okay, just a little bit. I'll just give you a little bit. But then that little bit ends up to being more and more and more. So then you start loving your animal to death. Yes, literally. <laughs> yes, literally. Yes. So you really want to really develop strong boundaries with your pets in regards to food and other behaviors too. But with food in this case, at a very young age, because if they know right at the young age that you're not going to give in to them they're going to stop bugging you and they're going to stop giving you those looks and those behaviors that tend to make you feel like you want to give in to them. <laughs> yeah. And just to kind of close all of this off, you wouldn't give in to your kid if that wants a candy bar every single freaking day. Don't give in to your dog because you're just going to create an environment within the dog's physiology that makes him not healthy or her not healthy. So don't give in, don't fall into the guilt, put your animal's health in front of your guilt because a dog is going to play you. It's going to play you because it knows it can, <laughs> yeah. especially if you've done it in the past and you've given into them, it's going to try. So creating those really strong boundaries early on is going to definitely help keep them healthy. It's going to save you in vet bills. And it's going to save you the heartache of losing your animal earlier than expected. These are really, really, really important things. Do not give in when it comes to treats. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, we mentioned it a little bit in our last episode with felines, but dogs specifically, there are few, there are few human foods that a dog cannot have. It is very toxic and it will cause them to become very ill. Garlic is one of them. Onions is another. I know there's others out there, but the one thing that I want to bring up because it seems so 
innocent and simple, but raisins and grapes do not. Oh, yeah. Do not give your dog raisins or grapes. It will be an almost instantaneous toxic reaction within the dog's body. It may not present outwardly, but it is not good for them. Um, And too much human food is not good. Human prepared food, I would have to say. So no sauces. Even the broth that you choose, if you have a dog that's really finicky and you need to moisten their wet food, make sure you choose a broth that is designed for dogs and not a human broth because a lot of those human broths have onions and garlic in it. So pay attention to that. So that is all we have for you today. As we learn more, we will bring more information to you. This is just an overview. This is not going to be all of the pieces, but this is an overview of things to pay attention to and a good guidance for creating a great wellness plan nutritionally for your dog. We will go into more detail on the types of foods and what the differences are between them and what, what to consider, what to think about when you want to consider doing the different foods. So whether it's dry, canned, raw, freeze-dried, all of those different types, homemade, we're, we're going to discuss that. And we'll also discuss individual things like there are, um, I think it's called the Bark Diet. That's a popular one. I don't know if it's still kind of trendy or good. So we're going to do more research on our own so we can bring you all of the information available to us so you can provide a good, healthy, quality life. So stay tuned for that and we will be seeing you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.